Florida yeah. comes up on like all the lists. Yeah, but that was interesting. So yeah, and, and every but, place it seems like has a little bit different. Right, depending on what you're looking for. I, yeah. think, I thought we could talk, that would lead us into yeah. Because I, I just looked at yours, because I've seen so many of these, and right. they're all different, because yeah. they evaluated all a little bit different. Correct. And this one took into account standard of lifestyle, uh, took into account property taxes, which is a big one that a lot of these surveys leave off, which I think is why Texas didn't make it in there. Because property taxes are high there. Property taxes are higher in, in Texas, even though they don't have a state tax, they make it up on the property tax side. Wyoming, that was uh, rated number one, I guess, the state to retire by bankrate.com, uh, and it looks like Idaho, not too far behind at number four. According to bankrate.com, the number one city for retirees is Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Home of the World Series champs, Houston knocks it out of the park. A million bucks buys you 26 years of retirement in the Texas metropolis. Welcome to Retiring Today, the podcast that guides you to and through retirement. I'm your host, Molly Nelson. I'm here with producer extraordinaire, Rochelle Smith, and Lauren Merkel. I almost said Lauren Michaels. I was listening to a <laughs> podcast with um, Megan Milotti, and they were talking all about SNL and Lauren Michaels. Anyways, you're Lauren Merkel, not to be confused with Lauren Michaels, both kind of interesting guys, but Lauren Merkel, he's a certified financial planner and the guy that's going to teach us today about our topic. And that topic is following your passions in retirement. Lauren, I think that is the most fun part of talking about retirement probably is what are the fun things I get to do when I retire? Is that what the families come in and, and are excited about that you work with every day? Without a doubt, because th that's the intangible part about it. I mean, what most retirement planners, financial advisors are used to talking about is all the all the financial aspects of it, right? How much can you get from Social Security? How much can you get from the investable assets? When do you have to take your RMDs? And what people really are interested in is what can they do with all this time, right? For 30, 40, 50 years that they've been working, They've never had the luxury of time, like what they're looking forward to when they actually actually get to retire. Okay, so Rochelle, fast forward to when you have that luxury of time, what are you going to do? Mm. So I thought very carefully about this. Uh, I would wanna live close to my hypothetical children because I don't have kids right now. Uh, I would wanna travel and then I would wanna volunteer at an animal sanctuary. That's what I would wanna do. Cool, well, those are great uses of your time. Yeah. Lauren, what does that day look like for you or that time, that extra time spent look like? Anything outside. So go going to see all the mountains I never got to see before. A little bit of hunting, probably. Uh, maybe some target shooting. Play with the cannons. You're fishing. <laughs> You're fishing Fish, a lot. Fishing, especially, oh, yeah, especially in the wintertime. And if Jay still likes to fish, we'll, we'll maybe get out in the summertime. And I don't want to gloss over play with the cannons because I do feel like that <laughs> statement is not on a lot of retirement bucket lists, but it's an interesting fact about you. Well, I just don't have a lot of time to do it right now. But and it's something it, you it's like. It's effort. It takes effort. It takes work. It takes time. And that's what I don't have. So yeah, that's something that I would like to explore a little bit more. Okay. But hang on. I, I can't, I can't get off this just yet. I'm your neighbor. Hmm. I'm living next to you. Yeah. Do you play with the cannons at home? Well, ideally, or do you roll them out that, to some like valley in well, the? Yeah, I can't. I can't live in town, right? I okay, can't. So, I can't live on the the fancy cul-de-sac. Right, the I, suburbs I have to aren't go, going to work. I have to go out in the woods somewhere all by myself. So in retirement, perhaps you live on an acreage of sorts. Most definitely. Okay, you're rolling the can. Okay, Most I'm just trying definitely. to get like a mental picture of Lauren, what Lauren's <laughs> retirement looks like because cannons weren't high on on my list. Well, that, that would be one of my goals between now and then is to kind of piecemeal this acreage together. Right? Oh, a little yeah. bit at a time. 
Sure. In that perfect spot, that sanctuary. Yep. Away from the city. Right. Where I can just open up my shed, the cannon's sitting there, boom, and nobody hears it. (laughs) (laughs) But me. Families have retirement goals. They've worked 30 or 40 or 50 years. They've worked hard. They've saved. They've invested. They've, they've, they've you know, invested in the employee plan. Maybe they're lucky enough to have a pension. And, and one of the first things, Lauren, when you and the team sit down and meet with people is you say, let's not talk about let's not talk about the statements you brought in or maybe didn't even bring in, or let's not talk about, you know, the investments you have. Let's talk about your goals. It's really important for you to get a good assessment of that before you do any of the strategic planning. Most of the time in the first visit, they are going to bring their statements, but we won't get to that until the very end of the conversation, because what's most important about retirement and retirement planning is what do you want to do? What are your goals? What are the activities that you want to pursue in retirement? What are some of the hobbies you want to revisit that maybe you've you've forgotten about because you haven't had all this time that you're going to have in retirement? So we just want to get your vision, an idea of what your retirement vision is going to be like, and then we can get into the financial aspects later. So I don't imagine that this was probably on this guy's maybe retirement goal list, but it evolved into what his retirement looked like. It was a couple in Florida. Not sure that this was on their retirement bucket list in their working years, but it evolved into what their retirement looked like. This is pretty interesting. So Chris and her husband, I think it's in Gainesville, Florida. They, they, they're retired. He's a retired engineer. And I guess she had kind of been collecting dollhouses throughout the years. And she goes to him and says, you know, can you make me a dollhouse? And he's like, well, I've got this extra time. I'm thinking I'm an engineer. I think I'll give it a shot. Well, this, this little project, this little retirement project evolved into this whole entire second career for this guy. And these dollhouses that he sells, they go from, they go for $30,000 minimum, some of them, all the way up to $400,000 for a dollhouse. Did you see the picture of the dollhouses? Amazing. Mm -hmm. So if you want to see a picture which I think it's worth looking at. It's called Majestic Mansions, and it's out of Florida. And he puts like real oil paintings in them, working parts in the kitchens, you know, drawers that open and close. I mean, these are not, I had the cardboard Barbie dream house <laughs> that I got circa 1990-ish. And um, <laughs> actually got ruined when our basement got flooded <laughs> because it was cardboard. This thing could sustain a flood or could withstand a flood. These houses were amazing. They are amazing. I'm pretty sure these are not houses you're going to buy for $100,000, $200,000 and then give it to your five-year-old daughter. Correct. They're collector's items. Yes. I could even see ple- people displaying in them in their homes. They're beautiful. But how, how cool for this couple because now they're, they're retired and that was a passion of theirs or, and certainly developed into a passion of theirs where they can explore this passion together but yet make some money at it at the same time. I mean, it's a very, very valuable business to them not only from a time standpoint of how they spend it, they're active, they keep their minds active, but it also brings them in a little bit of cash flow at the same time. And do you find this happens to a lot of retirees that they they are able to put their passions and income together in retirement? We, we more so find it in, in our personal experience with the families that we work with that they really are able to explore their passions. And sometimes they're going to be able to combine the passions and the income. But the passions is what it's all about, whether they can make money at it or not. Retirement, retiring today is so different than it used to be. What retirement needs to, means today, and, and for a lot of people, the term retirement is the term they never want to hear. They're almost insulted when you ask them when they want to retire or if they're retired 
because they don't look at and look they don't view themselves as being retired. They view themselves as having the opportunity to not go to work unless they want to, right? Having that that freedom to not go to work unless they actually want to work. And so they do explore their passions and sometimes uh, they can find a way to make some money at it at the same time. Yeah, I think active retirement, active lifestyle, or is more the what we what we see, what we think of uh, of, of today's uh, retirees. So when you sit down with people and you talk about their dreams and their goals in retirement, what are some of the most common things you hear? Travel is probably the biggest one, and I think it's probably because it's what people think about. Because when you when when you think about it, you're working. You want to get two weeks off. You get three, four weeks off if you're lucky, and you're very limited as far as the time away from. Uh, your hometown. But then when you retire, or, or I guess as you're going to retirement, you're thinking about a time where you have all this time and you can go travel all the places that you've never been able to before. So when, when you talk to somebody about what they want to do in retirement, oftentimes the first thing at the top of their mind is they want to go travel. And sometimes they don't even know where that is, right? You, I'll ask them a lot of times, they'll say, when you retire, where's the first place you want to go? And oftentimes there's not a response. Right? Sure. They, don't, they don't. At that point, they don't care. They just want to have the ability to go somewhere. Freedom. When they want to. Yeah, I kind of imagine Cole, me and Cole, maybe driving to places. You know, now it's like, well, we're going to take a few days of off of work to go to Florida. And people be like, you're going to drive? I'm like, no, I'm not taking two extra days off work. We'll fly versus driving. But I'm like, someday maybe we'll actually drive and see the country. So I could see that that freedom of time allowing you to travel in a different way than you ever traveled before. Yeah, we do have families that they, they will travel in a car, right? Or they will, uh, they have bikes, motorcycles. So they will pull up the trailer and then they'll go to their destination and drive around on their bikes, but they'll just go from spot to spot. They'll have it mapped out and just enjoy the the country land landscape as they go. Do you find that people want to relocate in retirement or buy a second home? And, and, and what are those conversations like? It's, it's really hit and miss. Some, some people want to chase their grandkids around. Some people, their grandkids are here, so they want to stay here. Uh, other people, they're looking for a more tax-friendly environment than Iowa, so they do want to go to a more tax-friendly state. Some some people want a, a combination of a tax-friendly state as well as a, a better better weather state. Right? I don't know if you guys know. It's kind of cold here. <laughs> it was 19 degrees this morning when I was driving in. I love the snow. Yeah. And right. some, and you some wouldn't pe- want to leave it then. Some no. people don't. Yeah. yeah. And some people do. And we have some active skiers in retirement. They, they like to ski. Now, I was not the best skiing territory, but they don't mind the snow. So they'll stay here and then they'll go out to Colorado for a couple of weeks here and there. So it's really all over the board. But again, it comes down to what, what are you into? What are your activities? What are the people? Where are the people that you want to spend your, the most of your time with? And a lot, a lot of where you're going to end up is going to be dictated by those things. Okay. So the fun part is over. We did, we set the retirement goal. So whatever that looks like, you have that first, but then the next part you have to figure out is how to pay for it. So not quite as much fun as setting that retirement goal, but when you find out you can pay for it, that's fun too. So in order to pay for the retirement goals, I I would imagine Lauren, there's a few things you have to really nail down and get into the budget and get into the income and investment plan. And that is the cost of living. Yes. So once you have a clear vision of what you want to do in retirement, right, that activity map of what are your goals, what are are the activities that that you really want to pursue, that's going to give you a better idea of how much it's going to cost 
to really live the retirement that you want to live. And then that's where that dirty word comes in, the budget, right? So uh. we, we, we need, and, and it doesn't have to be down to the penny or actually the dollar, but we need to have some kind of idea of what is it going to take to live the lifestyle that you want to live and then figure out whether or not you can afford it, right? How does that impact your retirement income short term? How does it impact your retirement income long term, considering all of the other variables like taxes and inflation, and everything else that could come into to retirement. And you find that a lot of times when people are in that pre-retiree retire phase, they may have maybe had to live on a budget for a while because they're at kind of their higher wage earning years. Maybe the kids are out of the house. They've got some discretionary income. So sometimes do you find that it's difficult to put pen to paper and say, oh, this is how much we spend each month? That's the experience for, for most of our families because, you know, their kids have been gone for a little bit. They haven't had, I mean, they have the discretionary income. If they want something, they're going to go get it and they're not going to worry about it too much. And so now kind of bringing them full circle back to an earlier time in their life where they were more focused on their, their month to month budget. It's, it's, it's part of the transitional process for many people. Um, but even though one, even though you retire and you have this so-called budget, it does not mean you have to, it doesn't have to be pinpoint accuracy all the time. There's life is still going to happen. Uh, when you go on these trips, it's going to cost you a little bit more than the times, the months, the, the years that you don't go on the trips. But it's just a, a good visual for you to understand. Here's directionally where you need to be from a budget standpoint, short term, long term. Here's the impact it's going to make on you. And then it's going to also uh, allow you to shape your lifestyle to make sure that you can afford it not only now, but also 20, 30 years down the road. Well, yeah, and you can't really, I suppose, pay for your goals if you don't know how much they cost. I mean, they, again, unfortunately, it takes money to achieve some of these goals, so you've got to at least write it down. And then that takes some of the emotion out of it, too. It's like, okay, maybe people will come to you and say, we want to travel the world uh, in a private plane. And you're like, okay, well, let's see how much that costs, and then let's look at your income, and yeah, you can do it. Or, you know what, that might not be realistic. What's the, you know, the next best thing to that? So you, you've got to... I suppose, put that pen to paper sometimes. And if it's not realistic, it's better you know it now. It's better that you, that you know it sooner than later so you can adjust your expectations. And if there are things you can do to uh, adjust your income plan, then the sooner that you get started on those adjustments, the better off you're going to be. So find out, are your goals, are your dreams realistic based on the resources that you have? If so, then try to make it better. And if not, then we need a realignment of expectations with the resources that you have. Do you think retirees spend more or less than they expect to in retirement? Last year, towards the end of the year, we, we taught the retirement class over at Upper Iowa University. And I was talking about this concept called inflation, right? This is a silent assassin. It just kind of creeps up on you. One day, 10 years down the road, you're going to spend a lot more than what you are today for the same, same lifestyle. And I was talking about this, and this gentleman raised his hand, and he looked around the room, and he said... I just want to share this with people. He said, it, lo it looks like I'm the oldest individual in here. He goes, I'm 85 years old. He goes, I just want people to know that I've never spent more money than what I'm spending right now today. And that was, that was an important, important side note of that class for that class because a lot of people go into retirement. They say, I want to, I'm going to spend more in the first 10 years of my retirement than I get to my mid-70s and mid-80s. Definitely, I'm not going to be spending more than what I am right now. So many people do end up spending much more in retirement than what they do in their working years, especially they get to the later years. And is that the health care costs that, that creep in? Is that what he was referring to or is he doing 
more traveling than he thought he would in his 80s or what what do you know what his circumstance was usually what happens in retirement is early on in retirement you spend money on the things you want to right the the trips and the, the fun activities you have the energy the motivation to do all these things you want to do and it costs money and then the latter years of your retirement you spend money on the things that you have to and that's where the the healthcare types of costs come into play now with this gentleman that wasn't the case he was still having fun and he was still living the life that he's always wanted to live and he was active and that cost money for him. When uh, families are talking about maybe where they want to go live or have that second home, you talked a little bit about that. They, t- they consider taxes. What about the cost of health care? I mean, Business Insider uh, showed some numbers for 2017 and it can really vary state by state. Uh, it, as high as $8,000 for health care uh, in a year. And, and this wasn't for retirees. I think this, this number was just like Uh, adults, working adults or adults and older, but, but it shows the variance pretty accurately. So you can pay up to $8,000 in Arkansas or Hawaii was actually one of the lowest with $4,700. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, healthcare has really gotten out of control from a cost standpoint. And it's a big surprise for, for pre-retirees as they look at, especially if they're going to retire prior to 65, what their cost of healthcare is going to be. And one of the surprises is it does vary quite a bit state by state. So if you're retired and you're not eligible for Medicare, that means you're going to the open market or maybe you can, you can um, go with a faith-based, faith-based plan or maybe on the ACA. But your options are going to be, from a cost standpoint, most likely more than what it is going to be when it, when it gets to Medicare. And it's going to be state-by-state state based. And in the state of Iowa, we're kind of in that median area where we're kind of middle of the road. But you go to some other states, and you could spend a little bit less. You go to other states, you're going to sp- states you're going to spend more, okay. and that's that should be a part of the planning process too, right? Where are you going to live, and then what's it going to cost you for healthcare? Because it's preventing a lot of people from retiring prior to sixty five. And part A and B would be their primaries would stay the same because it's federal, right? For yeah. Medicare. Yeah, the a, part A and B does not vary state by state by state. It's the individual healthcare market that is very varies state by state now. The supplemental plans that are not federal, uh, those can vary state by state. Back to taxes and retirement goals and dreams. And you hear a lot of people say, you know, they might want to winter. We we call it snowbirds here in, in the Midwest, maybe winter down somewhere where it's warm. Some states have been really strategic about trying to attract seniors and snowbirds to their states. And that's because of what they've done with, with their ta- being tax friendly. Yeah, we're, Rochelle and I are sitting here laughing because I, <laughs> I remember the last time you and I were talking about s- snowbirding. Uh, no <laughs> ing. It's, it's. I knew. A, I knew what real, you two were doing, but I just plugged thing. along. I just. I just remained yeah, professional, you're, you're, you're and I use words that are actual words like snowbird and not snowbirding. <laughs> snowbirding is very unique. <laughs> oh, unique is my pet peeve. Thank you, Merkel. You know it's not unique. Tax friendly retirement communities and states and one is florida your people a lot of people are tired of florida and what is ex- what is it about florida it's income tax well, no what's, income what's tax appealing, right yeah what's appealing about florida is the there's no state tax uh, and then there's also some retirement income that can uh, be considered tax friendly city by city uh, property taxes in some of the cities are very low that's what the study uh, here references is fort myers was deemed to be the number one city in the uh, country 
from a tax friendliness standpoint, and that's a combination of no state taxes in Florida, but then low property taxes, and then also a reasonable cost of lifestyle. Yeah, median, median home price right around $200,000. And that, that varies substantially, state by state, municipality by municipality. Does inheritance tax come into the conversation when people are trying to decide maybe where to live in retirement? Sometimes. It's generally not at the top of the list, but as people are trying to narrow down exactly where they want to be, it generally does make the list of, of criteria to evaluate. Interesting side note. So as we're talking about taxes, the state of Illinois, our neighbor state, is usually seen to be a higher tax, a higher state, or higher tax state, except for when it comes to retirement. Because in retirement, retirement income is not taxed. You can take money out of your 401k plan, and they're not going to tax you on your otherwise taxable 401k plan distributions. In Illinois? In Illinois. Okay. So from a retirement standpoint, and it's never going to make any of these tax-friendly retirement studies because there's other considerations, especially if you're living in Chicago. I was going to say. It's not friendly from a cost of living uh, Aside from Chicago, is there it's, any other place to live in not Illinois? friendly. Peoria. I feel good, good. There's a city called Normal. You wouldn't know anything I'm about Normal. I'm aware that there are. Oh, <laughs> Rod's jokes today, Rochelle. Rod's jokes. But it's, it's, it's otherwise known as a, a not-so-tax-friendly state. But for retirees, there's certainly some tax advantages. And I think if you look at all of these states across the country, like Georgia, Georgia's is one of them, where from a retirement standpoint, it is very friendly f- once you retire. Maybe not so friendly when you're working, but from a, a retiree standpoint, it gives you some breaks on the different incomes that you have coming in. And Rochelle, you found out some interesting information about a state that kind of surprised me as friendly to retirees, South Dakota. What makes it so appealing? The Buffalo. Mount Rushmore. <laughs> For the longest time, I thought Buffalo were extinct. I'm not going to lie. They brought Fun them back. Fact. No, they brought them back. My parents yeah. have two of them in their backyard. Oh, really? What? Yeah, you guys didn't know that? <laughs> Hasn't come up in conversation wow. here at work. Thelma and Louise. Seriously? Yeah. Hilarious. Huh. Back to South Dakota. <laughs> South Dakota usually makes the top five list. So across the board with these different studies, South Dakota and Wyoming usually are within that top three to five. Which you just don't hear a lot of people saying, we're going to head north to South Dakota. No, I guess that, unless you live in North Dakota, it would be south. But generally speaking, right, right, people head yeah. south in retirement. So what is it about South Dakota? Well, certainly because uh, it's more sparse from a population standpoint, the cost of living is very favorable. You can shoot so cannons. You get the cost of living, you can shoot cannons. Um, you can throw axes. You can throw knives. You can, there's, I mean, you can. You can do a lot of things in South Dakota, and you don't have to pay state taxes, which is very friendly. So whether it's South Dakota, Arizona, Florida, or staying you know, right at home, wherever you, you, you ended your work career, the takeaway, Lauren, is to get it written into the plan on exactly how you're going to achieve your retirement goals. Because there's some real value in seeing in numbers how it works. Yeah, there's something to say about having your goals written down. I mean, how many times do we see studies that say if you write your goals down, the odds of you accomplishing those goals, those objectives are going to be much higher. So when the stakes are as high as your retirement the next 20 to 30 years of your life and can you financially afford the next 20 to 30 years of your life? I think it's really important to write those goals, write those objectives, and then write how you're going to accomplish those goals down as well. And then you'll see the probability of you accomplishing those skyrocket because if there's deficiencies, they're going to become pretty clear. 
right? And then you can take steps to fix it. And if everything is, is looking really good, well, that just gives you more confidence to go and make these permanent decisions you're going to have to make and then live the lifestyle that you've always dreamed of. Do families and individuals come to you often and say, I want to change the goals? And what does that look like? All the time. Uh, yeah, that happens almost weekly. And that shouldn't, shouldn't really be a surprise because if you think about how we live our life now, we get surprises all the time. And some of those we control, some of those we can't control. And retirement's no different. We're still living our life. There's still variables that nobody can really predict with any type of certainty. And that's, that's why the plan needs to be flexible as well. So we, we need to be able to adjust it. The, when you write the plan, it, it should just be a foundational plan meaning that it is the foundation of where you are. It's a foundational reflection of where you are today, and then it should be able to adjust with ease as life happens. Lauren referred to some of the educational classes that we teach here at Merkle Retirement Planning. If that's something you're interested in attending, go to MerkelePlan.com. It's M-E-R-K-L-E Plan.com. You'll see the class there for retirees, pre-retirees, women in retirement, tax planning classes, and much more. Another resource is our YouTube channel. It's MerkleRetirementPlanning.com. There we have video that kind of shows you uh, with graphics that support some of the concepts we're talking about. Because following your passions in retirement is just one of the many pieces of achieving your goals. We'll continue to talk about the pieces of your retirement journey here on this podcast. It's Retiring Today. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts. And thanks for listening. Merkle Retirement Planning is an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of investments and insurance products to custom suit their goals and objectives. Any information discussed in these shows is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment advisory services are offered through Elite Retirement Planning, LLC. Insurance services are offered through MRP Insurance, LLC. Yes. Illinois. Mm-hmm usually deemed to be a higher ta- uh, state that uh, from a tax standpoint. You want to try that sentence again? Yeah. You want to try the whole thing? Yeah. <laughs> As a side note, <laughs> Illinois. You need to work it up a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> Theater. We, it's, okay, some ag- yeah, yeah, Your brain and your lips. Saying. and Yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. We'll be, okay, we're ready. We're on this I edge of our seats. I haven't thought about the state of Illinois for a while. Got it. I had to think about where I was going with that. I know there's something good out there. <laughs>